0: Hello and welcome to Section 229 Creighton Basketball Talk. I am your host, Austin Gall. Joining me are Blake Carver and Brock Shuts. Two, Section 229 is a podcast where three friends discuss the most recent Creighton basketball news and all the drama that surrounds it. I say it like it's a soap opera or something. <laughs> we'll be coming to you weekly for updates, news, and game analysis. So without any further ado, how are we doing, guys? We just sat through a very rough UConn game, but... Uh, really excited to get this podcast kind of up and running it's been a long time coming so I'm uh I'm excited to get going how how are we doing over there after after that UConn game
1: I'm doing great man that was uh a nail biter uh great first of all just like a quick breakdown really great first half and then the lead kind of slipped away and then the second half was gut-wrenching and uh Luckily we were able to get into overtime and then really come alive. Uh, Best, best play of that whole game was overtime for sure, especially from the free throw
0: line. So yeah, six uh, for eight from the charity stripe there in overtime. So that that is good stuff that we, especially for a team that is, has been struggling to kind of find their rhythm from, Mm -hmm. from the charity stripe. But, Brock, are you alive over there? Are you here with us?
2: I am here with you, and I'm just excited for the next six years. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a lot of good raw talent, getting committed to Creighton already. already there, sitting on the bench, maybe not playing this year. Got some key injuries that happened earlier in the year. But I feel like this these next six years is gonna be a really good time for Creighton and the Creighton Blue Jay fan base. So what do you and think that, about and, that the game?
0: W- and that win over UConn just makes every yeah. recruiting successes yep. and everything we're gonna get into so much sweeter. So I, I agree, Cross. It, it is a, it is a great time to be a Creighton Blue Jay fan, especially after losing that first game here in <clears throat> in Big East play. It was a little a little bit of a gut punch there. I think Theo mm-hmm. John and Marquette really gave us some troubles there. Uh, oh, yeah. in that game but a great great bounce back bounce back win today and it is inevitably um it's it's time you guys it's it's time for our first episode to finally come to life we we had some troubles trying to get our first episode up and going we recorded it the microphone that yours truly me bought from uh best buy was not the best the most, buy. not it was not the most best buy <laughs> it was uh, grammatically it doesn't sound right but we'll roll with it but uh <laughs> I've got a new rig here. I'm ready to go. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned up. We've got player interviews kind of lined up for this podcast. We've got game analysis lined up hopefully weekly during the season mm-hmm. and then updates during the summer. We're, we're going to try to go at least once or twice a month during the off season. So i um, really excited to be doing this guys but like i said it's been a long time coming so i'm glad that we're finally you know that first episode that we recorded actually was 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 a lot of fun you know we we we, pre- we previewed the entire season we had a we had a lot of good insight and um, a lot of our questions from that episode have already been answered and we'll kind of get into that today too but uh but yeah like i said guys really excited to kind of get this going I've, I've we've been teasing it on twitter for a couple weeks and you know, like I said, we might not be the uh, the most knowledgeable people about Creighton basketball, but we sure as hell have a lot of stuff planned that's gonna be really fun. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that and uh, stay tuned with us. You'll yep. be in for a treat either way. Yes. So at any rate, like I said, welcome to the podcast. We're really excited to be bringing you our view, sometimes our controversial view, depending on what day it is and uh, <laughs> who is talking, uh, of creative basketball. We don't claim to be the experts. We don't claim to know everything about basketball. But what we do know is that three of us have sat in Section 229 at Chi Health Center, Omaha Century League Center, or, <laughs> or the Quest Center, whatever is, is your preferred name. We've sat through them all for more than 10 years. Uh, season ticket holders diehard fans you may or may not have heard us screaming from section 229 on any given game day we're passionate we have fun we like to we like to drink beer at the games we like to scream at our tvs we like to zoom during the games and uh yeah so we have we have a long history with creighton jays here um you know i think to give listeners just uh or whoever the hell is going to listen to this just some background um, on who we are, we should explain how we all met and how this all came to be. So, I'll go ahead and give you my story first. Um, you know, I started going to games when I was in like elementary school. It's early two thousands. My dad took me to my first game with a couple neighborhood friends uh, versus Southern Illinois sometime before the year two thousand. I can never pin down what game it was. Like I, I can, I can never remember what it was. I don't remember what the final score was. I don't remember who was playing you know, in terms of like roster situations. Uh, but that was, at, I, I fell in love at Civic Auditorium. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't remember the specific game, but I remember going there a ton as a kid, you know, between Kyle Corver and company, I really fell in love with the style of basketball they played. Obviously it was a, you know, a jack up three kind of, kind of, you know, system that they had back in the day. And Kyle was a great shooter. Always inspired me to work on my shot. And I kind of would always emulate him in my, in my, in my front yard, you know, at my basketball hoop. So I kind of, I, you know, I grew up going to the games and, um, you know, I followed them closely when I was in middle school. I played on the basketball team, you know, when I was at Papio junior high, which, you know, if you know anything about sports, you know, that middle school and high school sports are the most important types of sports, (laughs) just (laughs) totally being facetious. Um, I played seventh and eighth grade, ninth, 10th and 11th. And then I kind of just stopped my senior year. I wasn't very good. So I just stopped, but anyway, they would give us free tickets, the basketball team, you know, whatever it was, whether it was junior high or high school, they would give us free tickets for Creighton games back then. So we would go, um, we'd get our parents to drive us from Papillion all the way down and we were in the suburbs. So it wasn't like going, you know, going downtown was kind of a treat for us. We never, we didn't get out there very often, you know, going to the Civic center getting or to the century league center, getting dropped off, um, you know, and just, getting to go experience Creighton game day just as kids by ourselves was just a blast. There was a lot to explore there. It was really fun. You know, although we would sit in the nosebleeds, we still made the best of it. You know what I mean? we loved just being in the house, you know, and I, I fell in love with Creighton at Link Center. Um, I, I love Dana Altman's teams. I always thought they, they always had a bunch of fight in them. They were always scrappy. You know, they played they, they shot the ball really well and it was always just a good time going you know, whenever we could get our hands on free tickets, you know, fast forward through my high school years, I stopped going to games probably when I was in high school, just, you know, just out of pure, you know, uh, I, I had a lot going on in high school. So I, I mean, and when I say I had a lot going on, it means I was hanging out with my friends like all the time. So, you know, I stopped going to games. Um, but then uh, we landed in the Greg, uh, the Doug McDermott and the Greg McDermott era, you know, Greg, Dana leaves for Oregon, Greg gets hired, I start to kind of, get back into it a little bit more as I'm uh, a senior in high school. And then as a freshman in college, I started to go to the games again. I started to, um, you know, I I bought, I bought a ticket for every game by myself. I would go by myself. I don't know why I would. I just, (laughs) I always figured it was just easier to go by myself and then be able to get out of the arena as fast as I possibly could. And back to, back to hanging out with my friends. Cause none none of my friends like to go. So it was usually just me. So I bought tickets and eventually my mother, um, linked up with Brock's dad um, they were co-workers uh, at the time at Rumsey Station Elementary School and we'll mention Brock's dad quite a bit in this podcast he was really influential in, in all of us kind of meeting and like cultivating our love for creating basketball but they my mom and his dad worked together for a very long time um, at that elementary school and my mom had eventually asked Tony if I could, go and, or, you know, go with them to the game since I was going by myself, just like, Hey, why don't I want you to take Austin with? And eventually it ended up, you know, uh, Brock's dad bought me my own ticket for the next season um, to sit by them. So i didn't have to sit alone. I bought uh, another ticket so I could bring a friend with. And from there, our friendship was kind of born. I had known Brock's dad, Tony, for a long time. Um, prior to coming to these games so it was just fun to be able to to sit with some people that i knew and uh, out of that a huge friendship was born you know it was crazy we uh um, you know, I, I've been, you know, taking those season tickets with Brock and company in section 229 since 2010 now. And we've, uh, we've really built a nice little family up there. Our section's like a, a nice little well curated family of uh, a lot of different um, personalities. <laughs> you know, we have Brock, we have Blake, we have myself. Uh, we have Brock's mother who sits with us. We have Brock's brother-in-law sits in front of us. We have friends behind us all in the two rows behind us. I have a, a another set of friends that uh sits next to me two seats so i mean it's you know everybody in that section is always going to be there for a good time and they all know we all know each other so it's just like you know we come we chat about each other's families we chat about you know the work we chat about what's going on around town it's a really huge community vibe up there and i've really enjoyed kind of cultivating that the last couple of years but um you know i've i've been like i said i've been there for 10 years now uh, any of us hardly ever miss games either which is the crazy part i recently just moved to st louis so i'm not in omaha anymore so when games come back and fans are allowed actually we'll get into we'll get into that topic here in a minute but um you know when fans are back i'm I'm excited to to see how how many games i'm going to be able to come to now that i live in st louis but uh, i know there's a good contingency down here in st louis so i'm not really worried about watching games alone i'm just gonna just maybe going to miss a few here and there after not missing like any for the last 10 years. So it can be a weird transition, but.
1: And then we'll just take your tickets.
0: Yeah. You know, (laughs) if you, if you want to pay me for those tickets, no, it's not like we, it's not like we sit in like the lower bowl, you know, we're not to, we're not uh, J backers here who can spend ten or twenty K on some tickets and uh you know,
2: just not the just not the way we roll up mm. in the uh up in the lower class seats. Two to nine. <laughs> They're the upper class seats. We're above everyone else yeah. up there, but yeah, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's a good way to look at it. But uh yeah,
0: we have a good time up there. And um, you know, Blake has sat with us now for five years, I think. Uh,
1: yeah, let's see. I would say it's so hard to remember. Uh, I'd say about six years, I think, because w- the first year, me and my dad had one uh, set of season tickets through a charity, like a like a silent auction thing, and uh, we sat. Uh, we had two seats, pretty far up there. I want to say like two, 204, I think is the section. That uh, sounds right. The yeah. upper bowl. Upper bowl, yeah, and then. Uh, Dernay asked if I wanted to get Dernay to- is
0: Brock's mother by the way yes you gotta, gotta clarify that for the audience yes we will we'll mention Dern- her we lot. will mention Dernay a lot in this podcast she is our she is our source of all Se- anxiety section-, <laughs> and section 229 hot takes section mascot for sure she's the
1: best um. Yeah, she asked if uh, me and my dad wanted to join you guys over there. I was like, Oh, hell yeah! Because uh, before before I even had season tickets, uh, I would go with Tony and Brock. We would, you know, put Dernay on the bench for a couple games, and then I would come out. And generally, on my birthday, there there always seemed to be a game on my birthday. And there's not this year because my birthday is Tuesday and they don't play. But uh those are we
0: wouldn't be there in the first place yeah that's true that's
1: true that's true but uh yeah I would go and then uh once we were able to secure our own seats there yeah me and my dad go as much as we can my schedule is pretty demanding at work but uh yeah but I'd try to get there as much as I could and uh yeah we always have a good time and yeah the whole section's alive man Uh, I wouldn't want to sit anywhere else or if I could I want to bring everyone with me
0: Brock, tell me a little bit about how you started going to games because, you know, I kind of laid the groundwork there saying that I linked up with you and your father uh, and the rest of the crew there in like 2010. How did you guys, you know, start your journey into
2: Creighton season ticket holding? So my j- journey started with um, probably sophomore and in, in high school. Um, so I had been a Creighton fan, just a college basketball fan in general you know, throughout junior high, high school, Um, but my dad, um, who's a teacher at, who was a teacher at Rumsey Elementary, him and a coworker of his uh, decided to split season tickets with UNO hockey and Creighton basketball, and so, you know, my dad would take me to half the UNO hockey games, then half the Creighton basketball games, Um, and, you know, after that first year, we kind of just talked, and I said, you know, I kind of like create basketball games more, I think we should just get season tickets for us. He's like, yeah, let's do that. So it's kind of like a father-son bonding experience. My dad's not really big into sports. He's more of like the book type of a person, like loves to read books, loves to, you know, history, things like that. I'm more of like the sports person. And so this was kind of like a good father-son bonding experience. And Mm -hmm. so that started, we had our first set of season tickets, 2007. um and we were in section 214 he for that year we bought uh two tickets two season tickets one for me and one for him and then if say my dad couldn't go we'd take my mom Dernay and if you know I couldn't go my dad would take my mom you know or Dernay couldn't go they'd take me yeah (laughs) it's a rotating (laughs) cast Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah and then in 2008 uh my dad ended up getting three tickets um and so then so my mom wanted to go more often and then um 2009 we ended up switching to section uh 229 because my mom did not like the the view from 214 because it was at an angle and she wanted better seats so my dad was able to get more of a straight on and then uh, closer uh lower down in the upper bowl and so that's kind of how um we started in 229 um, but yeah, that was, that's pretty much it. It was just a father son bonding experience that flourished into, a, you know, a good, good community of just great people sitting up in that section. So, God, we
0: appreciate. have some good, God, we have some good times up there. It's really making me kind of just like nostalgic right now because we yeah. can't be there this season. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, this is the first time in 10 years. I think any of us have had to obviously take a break, you know, yeah. um, With these quote unquote unprecedented times, shoot me in the face if I say that again during this podcast, but, uh, you know, during these weird times, it's, it's, it's really created some interesting situations for how, you know, we try to go about like our normal season you know and not just for fans it's for the the team too you know i mean it's it's all just been really new and really interesting but we're having fun you know we've been zooming during games a little bit we've been we've been um doing the best we can to keep up the section 229 spirit even though we can't be there so section 229 from afar yes yes so it's really uh it's really fun to be to kind of get this going for that reason you know like instead of um you know listening to uh, copious amounts of blue jay overtime we can you know reflect over our own our own chats now and hopefully build a little podcast here that everybody finds interesting we don't want to be our podcast isn't meant to shake up any sort of you know the the harmony of any of the uh you know websites that cover crate now We're, we're we're just trying to have fun Um, you know, we, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're going to have some player interviews, things like that, but, but really we're like, we just kind of described, we're just passionate fans. We're excited to just be chatting with each other about it if nobody else listens. So, um, so, okay, boys, let's get into it here. Um, let's dig into the, the, obviously in our first podcast, we, uh, kind of dug through uh, a season preview. We can kind of do that now, although we have eight games under our our belts now. Mm -hmm. Um, but we can kind of Take a look at that. Creighton obviously started the season on the COVID nineteen list. Um, they had to cancel their first couple games, which really would have helped Creighton out quite a bit. You know, they could have had a potential matchup with West Virginia there uh, in that um, in that tournament that they had scheduled in South Dakota. Obviously, they did not get to play in that. They canceled out. Uh, first game ended up being um, at with North Dakota State at uh, at the CenturyLink Center. Oh my gosh, I just called the CenturyLink Center. I'm, a, I'm such a noob, you guys. Holy crap. Uh, the Chai Health Center Arena. My apologies. Um, first three games are at home. North Dakota State, Omaha, and then Kennesaw State. All three wins. All three pretty convincing wins with exception to North Dakota State. Um, I, I When I was going through this list, you know, and it's only been about a month since we played that game, but I think Creighton... Really should have put away North Dakota State a little bit more handily, uh, but I digress. It's neither here or there. They got the win, a 10-point or 11-point win, um, you know, and, and there were some things out of those wins that were were really good, um, you know, obviously playing UNO for the first time in a very long time um, in, a, in a game that counts, on an exhibition game. It's very exciting. Uh, I think it kind of made sense for this season. I'd like to see that game Maybe take place in future years as well it, mm-hmm. it it I think it's good for the state um no matter if <laughs> if Creighton is winning that game every single year um you know i don't think it matters I think it's just it's good to have that team in the building i yeah. don't think I don't think they'll play it very often. there's no real benefit
2: you know for Creighton to play them every year, so it's not like they have to well, it's just like when Villanova plays penn, I mean it's not a big benefit for Villanova but for the state of you know Pennsylvania it's great
1: and let's yeah. be honest I mean it's it's fun to I mean yeah we play Nebraska Lincoln every year but it, it's fun to kind of throw in UNO
2: yeah it's a, it's a hometown I, I honestly rival.
1: think UNO is on the way up I I, yeah.
0: I believe I think it's a little bit more of a down year for them currently yes um, I think agreed. that kind of that showed during uh the game that they had um at chai but uh you know I, there there is some things to like about any darren hansen team you know they're going to push the pace they're going to try to score he's had some really good teams um in the past there that have really been able to shoot the basketball pretty well um obviously not a good game when they played this year <laughs> creighton shot like nearly 60 percent you know they shot 50 percent from from three yeah. and probably one of their better th- free throw performing yeah you know three they, they shot 15 of 18 from the line uh that night but not uh, bad at all you know not really a lot to pick through that game i think we've seen a lot through those games i think we learned a lot about this team and we talked about this, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But Ryan Kalkbrenner was really impressive in those games. Um, you know, trying to figure out some of those early season rotations and what kind of rotations they're going to use in real game situations. Those three games really allowed, you know, Greg, as, as they do every season, you know, in, in, in the early season, to kind of get a feel for what's going to work, what's not going to work, kind of hammering that out. Um, you know, but not, not a whole lot to pick through those games. It was They were very easily won you know, not, not really worth mentioning. Um, right. Uh, and then we fast forwarded into the Kansas game, which was very intense. <laughs> so mm-hmm. kind of flipped the script there. Um, well, I mean, what a game, you know, I mean, first off, there was a lot of talk on Twitter about how, you know, we should just be excited to be playing in this game. And I agree with that take. I, I think you know a 1 point loss at Kansas to a number number 5 ranked Kansas it's not it's, uh, first off it's not a bad loss it's not it's, gonna hurt it's, you it's hard to at win Kansas. at fog yeah. Regardless I mean, of people it, it, being there, <laughs> right? Regardless of people being in the house or not, going on the road at Kansas and losing by one, and arguably, if you know, you, you look at some of the stats from that game and you kind of think about, you know, if Marcus would have hit that last free throw to well, send we it, did it have no as overtime. Many turnovers, right? Or there, was, there was quite a bit to not turnovers. like about 14 turnovers that game into 17 points. Obviously, not a good way to. You know, it's not it's not a path to victory when you're when you turn it over that much and shooting fifty percent from free throws. You know, from mm-hmm. from the line. You know, um, you know, fifty percent, nine of eighteen from the free throw line that day. Um, you know, not a whole lot to dig through on that. I mean, there's a lot to discuss about it, but there's at at face value. You know, it, the Jays really fought well. Denzel Mahoney played a hell of a game that night. Um, you know, I, where I think Creighton probably could have compensated a little bit was. Um, the absence of uh, Mitch Ballack that night. He just really didn't show up in the scorecard, which, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Some nights he'll be on, some nights he'll be off. Um, mm-hmm. Two for eight from three-point land that game for Ballack. So it's not, uh, it's not like he didn't get his shots, and he definitely had some open ones. So a game that I think Creighton will look back on um, with a lot of hurt and a lot of what could have been if they uh, – um, you know, if they need, you know, uh, something to boost their resume in March, which is not going to be the case, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's something that's going to hang around in their mind. Um, you know, definitely would have looked good on their resume come tournament time. Um, but losing by one at Kansas is not a bad thing. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, turn around the next game, face Nebraska. The, the first half of that game, my God, was so weird. So weird. They, it was very close first half. They were only up by four at half. Second mm-hmm. half was a completely different story. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, Marcus Zagorowski and Denzel Mahoney both had 20 apiece. Um, Marcus was five for seven, from three. They, they really just shut them down in the second half. There's not, there's not, um, there's not a whole lot you can do when you get outscored in the second half uh, by that much, you know? I mean, it, it seemed, it seemed pretty early on in that second half that, Hey, this, this is still going to be a close game, but then all of a sudden Creighton opens up like a 20 point lead, you know, they're scoring from everywhere on the floor, you know, the, I mean,
2: it, it is game yeah. over?
0: You know, it's it's a typical Nebraska Crane game <laughs> that we've seen the last ten years. So, and the Jays and, and every Jays fan out there knows this, but Crane has dominated that series for
2: at least the better part of fifteen years. I think they're nine and one in the last ten years. Yes, and that one loss
0: coming when Nebraska pretty much had their best team of all time and still didn't get past the first weekend of the tournament. So, you know, and not to say that we haven't either, but, uh, that was the, I don't think they even won a tournament game that year. So rough, rough for them, but uh, great for us. I, I enjoyed that annual meeting on the calendar every year. You know, we always get the better part of them and, you know, that second half really, uh, really felt like, like I said, like a, like a regular Creighton Nebraska game. So it was, yeah. it was fun to see, they, you know, they really shot the ball well in that second half, got the offense moving every, and they spread it around in that second half quite a bit too. I mean, um, you know, it, it was all over the place, but like I said, mm-hmm. great game. Can't really, uh, can't really look into it too much. Cause I don't think Nebraska is going to finish the season out so well. So it's not like it's yeah. going to be a, a star on their resume, but it's always good to get that rivalry win uh, and kind of move on. Then we face uh, Marquette which was a heartbreaker loss. Theo John, my God, really came in, gave Creighton some uh, trouble there pretty much the entire game. You know, Creighton was up, up nine and a half, but it felt a lot closer than that. And then Marquette outscored us by 14 in the second half, Um, you know, came back. It it felt, it felt like Marquette really dominated that second half a lot more. Um, They got into some foul trouble late there. uh, But you know, Christian Bishop got into some foul trouble as well Kalkbrenner seems to be kind of a, a theme this year when when Bishop is really hurting into foul trouble Kalkbrenner is also uh, getting into some foul trouble so it's good that we have some depth at that at that spot and we'll talk about this here in a couple minutes but um you know having having three three players deep at the center position is Not something that Creighton is used to. We have three (laughs) players in
2: the center position? We're not playing (laughs) like we do shit.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean... I still like I still like that we run small lineups the majority of the time. I think it's it, it suits our offense well. But I think as the season goes on and we face more teams like like UConn today, Ryan Calkbrenner is going to get a ton of run these next couple games. You know the the height of the yeah. Big East. Big East I think is really what's going to give Ryan his opportunities. You know we're really going to have to, you know we we all know what the physicality of the Big East is like and it's coming. You know we've already seen it mm-hmm. for three games. You know. Um, but Marquette gave Creighton some struggles. Theo John and company, um, really bad matchup for the Jays. They really imposed their will that second half. Um, you know, Creighton didn't really do – you know, they, they, it wasn't like they had any eye-popping stats off of uh, the score sheet, but um, there's know, an had, eye-popping stat: their free throw percentage. Well, besides the three free throw percentage, because I will, <laughs> I will agree with that. We we've talked about this a lot today, especially through the UConn game. Um, they really saved themselves in overtime today with with how well they shot the ball from the line uh, in overtime. But um, the Jays are, are really struggling shooting from uh, from the charity stripe this year. It is not a secret and um you know in the losses mm-hmm. that they have versus Kansas let's see they were uh 6 or 50% in that game 9 for 18 and then versus Marquette they were 14 of 25 so you know and prior to um prior to overtime today the Jays were not shooting the ball well from the sherry stripe either so a little right. bit of a theme going on there um and then we get to the St. John game uh last game before the game that we had today a uh, really weird game kind of felt like uh, Kind of felt like a Nebraska game all all over again. Creighton had built like a sixteen point lead to have it wiped away, and then they come back in the second half and just run them out of the building. Um, I really liked what we saw from Ryan Calkbender that night. Um, Fifteen points on seven thirteen shooting um, mm-hmm. in sixteen minutes. Fifteen points in sixteen minutes is is pretty efficient. You know, he made the most of his time, and he really imposed his uh, his his height. I think is is really. You know, even though St. John's is kind of a lengthy team, he really uh, was able to kind of get up in, you know, into some of those smaller lineups and get some mis- mismatches and, and score over, him, which is great. Um, you know, if Ryan can continue to do that throughout, you know, his time this season, yeah. you know, building his body and his muscle, because he obviously needs to add a little bit to his frame. We'll talk about that again. Um, they're gonna he's gonna be unstoppable here in a couple of years I think his footwork is that of something of like a third year player I, I, I mean he just looks he looks very comfortable and once once he's able to develop a little bit more he's we're gonna have more games like that um, from him at St John's so mm-hmm. and
2: DJ with only two assists away from a triple double that game that was yeah yeah, yeah. insane
0: yeah they, there's a lots of love off that stat sheet from that night you know they did not they turned the ball over a little bit um but they they really shared the ball well Marcus Zagorowski shot unbelievably well from three-point range that night. It's kind of his comeback game, um, you know, in in a sense. You know, he, he really shot the ball extremely well that night after not, you know, after not really lighting it up Um, too often this season, you know, but I think he's been, he's been kind of working his way back in. I think we all have to kind of realize that Marcus is coming off a pretty tough injury. He's not going to be his normal self that he was at the beginning of last season. He's got to work into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're only about eight games deep into it right now of real gameplay. And this off season wasn't a normal off season for Creighton. So it's not like he's Mm -hmm. had a ton of time to really dig in his feet and get back into what felt like mid season form last year, early in the season, it's, it's really going to come midway through this season, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, agree. So yeah, that kind of catches us up to date where we're at. We obviously had the game against Yukon today, a thriller game. My God, we watched Ooh. the entire thing over zoom today. Um, man, I, I, crazy, crazy game. You know, yeah. I, I think the officiating in this one was probably the worst this season so far. Um, I know the Creighton fans were kind of yeah. chirping on tw- on Twitter saying the exact same thing. Um, Creighton committed a ridiculous amount of fouls today. They were in foul trouble all game. Mm-hmm. Um, st- astonishingly, nobody fouled out, but there was just some pretty bad calls. I felt like the calls today were really tilted towards UConn pretty much mm-hmm. the entire game. Um, stuff that was getting called on the UConn side, there was a couple fouls on Christian Bishop that I thought did not... Did not get called on the opposite end in pretty much the exact yeah. exact yeah. exact situation.
2: The so, inconsistency.
0: Yeah, it was it was very uneven. I think I I might have stole what I just said from a friend of mine on Twitter, Jacob Padilla. Um, you know, I it, it was extremely uneven in the way that they 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 called this game. But nonetheless, Jays kind of pull it out there at the end. Um, the thing that stuck out to me. I mean, they they this is a gritty win. This was a really gritty win for the Jays. They were down you know, it looked like they were going to run away with it for, for a, for a period of time there in the first half uh, really kind of got themselves out of a funk there and mm-hmm. kind of, and played a good second half. You know, Christian Bishop had some really good, um, really good stretches of play. There was, there was a point in time in that second half where Christian Bishop had a six Oh run all by himself, three, be- three buckets back to back to back. Um, and I, I think that really kind of energized them uh, the rest of the game there. But uh you know, they only turned the ball over five times in the second half, um, as opposed to nine in the first. So I think having a couple more possessions probably helped. Yeah. Um, you know, but they, the thing that really stuck out to me there after you know DJ sent him into overtime on that shot, which was a great shot, by the way. You know, Creighton went six yeah. for eight from the charity stripe in overtime, which is uh, and for a team amazing. who is really struggling uh, from the, from the line to hit six of eight and overtime is huge. Then they won by two 76 to 74. So that's 75%. Not, uh, not a bad thing to end on if you're shooting as bad as, as the Jays are from, uh, the charity stripe and some of these losses. So kudos to them. Great game. Had fun watching with you guys too.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it was great.
0: Um, so I guess we can talk about, um, well, I guess we can talk about this too real quick. <laughs> um, you know, we've got a couple more games here before the end of the year. Xavier uh, at home on the 23rd, which is I think it's Wednesday of this week.
2: Yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Yep.
0: Then 30th at Georgetown, and then January 2nd at Providence. And then we come back home January 6th to Seton Hall. So a pretty, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a lull in the schedule here. Georgetown's not all that great this season, um, but I think the the game that I've had circled on. On, on my calendar is that Seton Hall game. I'm really excited for the rematch. Mama Cushivelli, or Mama Cushivelli, I can't remember ever remember how to pronounce his name, but uh, it's going to be a rematch game from uh, the Big East regular season finale last year in Omaha where Creighton uh, won the Big East uh, regular, or share of the Big East title, um, which was a thrill for all of us. One of the best games I think we've all ever been to, and we were, uh, I bet like 200 bucks on that game Cause they just opened the sports book over across the river. So I went over for the game. I won like <laughs> 600 bucks on that game. So I felt nice, pretty good. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was a good day. We got really, after that game, we got really drunk. We, <laughs> uh, I went and picked up my money and, uh, man, what a, one of the best, one of the best games that I think we've ever been to quickly. So, and speaking of that, we are now having fans back in the stadium. So as of this week, Creighton is now allowing fans 2,500 per game. Last time that I checked, um, You know, to me, probably not a big deal in terms of COVID risk. 2,500 fans in an 18,000-person arena probably isn't going to be a huge deal. In terms of practicality, I'll save that conversation. Uh, I mean, maybe not the best thing to do, but, you know, 2,500 people
2: is not a a huge amount. Um, I can tell you one thing, though. Those are going to be the loudest 2,500 fans that college basketball is going to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. And I think, I think every fan base is kind of telling themselves now like, mm-hmm. Oh man, if I could just get in the arena, I'll oh, I'll lose my voice for a week. You know, like I think every, every arena that you go to right now, if they have fans, they're, those fans are going to be going nuts, you know? So, and there were some Creighton fans in the building at the Kansas game too, which shout out to you. If you went, Uh mm-hmm. hope you hope everything turned out safe and you didn't get sick or anything like that, but uh really fun to see a lot of Creighton fans on the broadcast there. Yeah, agreed,
1: um, agreed. It's always good to see fans show up. Uh, I mean, yeah, Lawrence,
0: not too
1: far of a distance, about three and a half hours, three, three and a half, but just a, good to see Creighton fans show up at every away game. Well, so, that's the yeah, thing. We travel. We
2: yeah,
0: we don't get very many Midwest-based games no. these days. You no, know, mm-hmm. When we play, it's usually, if we're playing you know, a, a non-con game, it's usually um, it's either at home. Or, you know, we have like a tournament or something, mm-hmm. you know, you know,
2: or Arizona State. It's like halfway across the country or something.
0: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the
2: Arizona State game, I was actually flying back from California um, that same that, that day after. And our stop was in Phoenix, our, our layover. And when I got there, there was probably the whole entire plane was just Creighton fans coming back from the Arizona State game
0: see like, and that's and that's the that's the problem i don't know well i guess that is maybe a little bit of a problem is we have such a, a a good travel you know contingency that playing in the midwest probably wouldn't be mm-hmm. something that a lot of <laughs> a lot of teams would buy into you know what i mean it's like oh yeah you want your fans to come fill up my arena and cheer for <laughs> you probably not you know um yeah but i'd like to see i'd like to see that game happen every year obviously i know it's a it's a far cry from happening but uh something something like a kansas creighton every year or like a wisconsin creighton yeah ohio state creighton i i I just wish overall scheduling would be more competitive i wish more teams would i mean we've taken some risks on some buy games too and we had like gonzaga that one year Mm -hmm. we've had arizona state we've had wisconsin you know some of those are gavit games and you know invites you know, they're not like games that we schedule on our own. You know, the Big East is a part of a bigger tournament, so like something right. will get sent to us. But I think we've been pretty fearless in trying to schedule. So I, I don't think it's for a lack of trying. You know, I yeah. think it's it's more so just like yeah, there's no benefit for Creighton to come into our into our arena and beat us. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not a very attractive sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so I guess we can kind of dip into um, maybe some roster um type conversations mm-hmm. um in our in the first podcast that we um that we filmed we we talked about what we thought rotations were going to be like this year we made some we made some comments we made some hot takes on what we thought the starting lineup was going to be uh there was absolutely no surprises in the starting lineup um no or anything like that so there's not like you know, it's not like we've obviously we've replaced Tyshawn from the year before, but um none of the starting lineup should have been any surprise to anybody. Yeah. Um So where we kind of turned our, our attention to was was talking about Ryan Kalkbrenner, Jacob Epperson. And now that we have Alex O'Connell eligible to play and he's played in two games, we talk about Alex O'Connell and Antoine Jones a little bit in the dynamic that they have. So I'll kind of just start off. Talking about Ryan Cockbrenner, but uh, he's getting more run than Jacob Epperson and he's really making the most of it. Um, You know, I Mm -hmm. I personally thought before this season started that Epperson was going to kind of just work back into the into the role he had before, which was, you know, off the bench early and, you know, making an impact, you know putting pressure on the rim and like catching those lobs. He was really good with uh, Mo Watson and some of uh, the point guards we had in previous years of running that. So I thought, you know, he would be getting play right out of the gate. Wasn't the case. Ryan Cogbinder has really worked his way into, um, into this lineup. I mean, he's really exploded. And I think, uh, you know, I, I and we talked about that in the first podcast that we taped. But I thought Ryan Kalkbrenner was going to be the best new player on this team this year, and he's and in my opinion, he definitely is. Mm-hmm. He's he's impressed, and he's got really great footwork. I think, you know, with the if we think about how Greg McDermott has been able to develop bigs over the years, um, we all should be really excited about what's ahead for Ryan Kalkbrenner. Um, right? Was he redshirted, you know, or is he true? He's true. I mean, he's a true freshman, so he is going to be here for a couple of years and he's really going to make an impact. I think beyond this year, um, the development that he's going to have in terms of his body adding weight, because obviously Mm -hmm. he needs to add some muscle and add some, add some pounds onto that frame, but you get him in the weight room over this next summer, there's going to be some huge changes in his body. And, you know, I mean, he's going to be a solid backup for Christian all year long. You know, he's, right. he, he really showed his stuff during the St. John's game. He had 15 points, 17, uh, 17 with 13 shooting. And he missed some pretty easy shots too. You know, like he could have easily um, had a couple more points on there. If he just made some of his bunnies or easy lobs that he had also had five rebounds all in 15 minutes of playing time, which is really good. Um, you know, and I said before big East play started, Um, If Creighton can get some consistent play for him behind Christian Bishop, they're going to be really hard to guard for like all 40 minutes, you know, because Christian coming back in gives them a little bit of a smaller lineup feel. And, you know, when you can kind of toss in a seven-footer in that and kind of put like a wrench into the works, I mean, it it really kind of throws you for a loop in how you're supposed to guard this team. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, it sucks for Jacob, too, because obviously he's coming off a tough injury. You know, a broken leg is not... (laughs) it's not something that you come back from like super easily you know like if I if I broke my leg there's no way I'd be playing again I'd probably quit Um, (laughs) but it's going to take him some time to feel comfortable in games I think we've seen some strides but I'm just not sure if Mac either doesn't trust him or if he's not consistently a part of that game plan because they don't want to go three centers deep I'm just not sure you know in some of these situations For instance, I thought Jacob Epperson probably could have came off the bench. And this is neither here or there, but I think he could have came off the bench a little bit earlier in that Marquette game when they were having trouble with Christian Bishop and foul trouble. Um, You know, and Ryan wasn't, foul trouble as well. I think Ryan's had a hard time staying out of foul trouble this year unfortunately. I think it's just a first year player thing. He'll he'll grow on it, but um probably could have got Jacob up out of his seat a little bit sooner because I felt like when Jacob was in there he was making an impact a lot quicker than Ryan was. Yeah. Um you know, Jacob got in there instantly after um after Ryan picked up his last foul of that uh, that Saint John or of the Marquette game, and he really made an impact. So, mm. I, I hope we can see Jacob work into more of a bigger role this season. If it happens or not, who knows? Um, but that was one of the biggest surprises to me uh, at the beginning of the season. Is I thought Jacob would be back in there immediately, uh, contributing, but it just hasn't been the case.
2: I think what it is too, it's his it's his offense that I think Greg's more worried about than anything. Defensively, Eberson's great offensively like today, the couple of minutes that he was playing Yukon, there was three or four times he had the seal on the defender, had the, you know, pass right to him and he didn't go for the pass, went out of bounds, it was a turnover. Sure. I mean if you have the seal, yeah. you need to be expecting the pass as soon as you get that seal made from the defender. Like yeah, it's gonna be coming to you.
0: I think I think Jacob, you know I mean obviously Jacob really gave Creighton some good run you know, when they Mm -hmm. needed stuff in previous years, you know, he came off a red shirt year to play um, and contributed immediately. So maybe I had some inflated expectations of what his role was going to be when he came back. But, you know, you got to feel for the kid, man, after like he's been in injury trouble for the last like couple seasons. So you got to feel for him coming back and maybe not getting, you know, the playing time that maybe he expected. Um, but you know, we'll see how that kind of develops over this next year. It's gonna be really hard for him to work into a place where he's getting consistent playing time because Ryan Kalkbrenner is playing so well. You know, so it's it's gonna be a question mark. You hope the best for the kid. I, I'm certainly cheering for him. Um, you know, maybe they maybe Creighton runs, you know, him a little bit more at the end of the season when they when they're a little gassed or something, he'll have some fresh legs. We'll see what happens. Who yeah. knows?
1: Either way, it'll be exciting.
0: So now we have Alex O'Connell um, eligible for the first time this year. He got a decision, as most uh, transfers did uh, from the NCAA this year, that they're eligible to play immediately. So that's great. Um, so he's deemed eligible, and thank God, Creighton really could use Alex going forward. Um, and the great yeah. thing about and the great thing about this is he can play next year too. So I mean, he obviously he's a senior, so he only has one year of eligibility left. But with all of, you know, all of the COVID stuff happening and um, everything like that, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's opened up opportunities for a lot of different players to come back and play another year. So it's great for Alex to get his feet wet this year with this offense, because it's going to be. Um, you know, this offense is not something that you can could just come into right away and just be like, okay, hey, I get it. It takes like a couple games. You know, Greg McDermott runs, you know, as we all know, runs a very high-paced offense, high-powered, it's very mm-hmm. quick. You have to know your spots. You have to know where the ball is going. You have to think ahead four or five passes. to, You know, that's just the way this offense thinks. Yeah. Um, and and most uh, some players need time to adjust into that. Um, so he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve. I mean, he's played in two games, um, already. Uh, Mm -hmm. he played today at UConn, didn't get a whole lot of run today. Um, you know, but he looked, he looked good in what he had. He had eight minutes, two points. He only had one shot. Um, nothing really that pops off, you know, the stat sheet. We got a little taste of it at St. John's the other night too. Um, he he shot a little bit more that night. He he made three shots, um, but like I like I said, nothing. Only twelve minutes. Nothing that he really did in twelve minutes that really, um, you know, really helped the Jays forward in that game. Um, but nonetheless, great to have him uh, eligible. I think it 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 adds another aspect uh, off the bench for Creighton um and obviously he's he's going to get his feet wet in this offense this year and really be set next year to uh make an immediate impact on that team. um mm-hmm. it's going to be great to have, you know, 13 or 14 games for more than that I, I would assume uh, to have under his belt. So um and you know, he'll be playing a lot alongside Antoine Jones too, the Memphis transfer. um fresh into the jays this season um i know brock is really high on antoine jones we're really we're all really high on antoine jones biggie sixth
2: like man of the year calling it yes,
0: yeah. yes yes he he didn't look so good today not today um, yeah i, I don't think energy he... was
2: there but he was making some really bad decisions with his shots the shots he was making were either short or too much yeah i just but I, hey I liked, I, we all have I, bad I, games I'd like to see him
0: be a little bit more explosive. Like I know he's quick, I know he can handle the ball. He just looks a little hesitant sometimes when he catches the ball. And that might just be the way that he his body language
2: sets. But I, I just don't think he looks
0: extremely confident. I in mean, the if offensive. you look at
2: if you look at the Nebraska game and the Saint Johns game, those two big wins that like were Creighton had some really good runs is because Jones was able to get off the bench and make some plays. Mm-hmm.
0: And if he can start hitting if he can start hitting that three-point shot consistently too cuz he was 1 for 4 today he didn't and he had some open looks the thing mm-hmm. is and that's the thing if he can start hitting those open looks and and with with some consistency i think he's he's really going to have an impact on this team um you know off the bench for at least you know next next year and the year, you know who knows what that lineup looks like looks like next year but you know he's I mean, he, getting him some run with this um with this roster in this offense is is really good you know he's gonna he's gonna have an opportunity to really learn how this offense like alex will um and needs to um how this offense runs and how you know, how to be successful in it. You know, it's, it's great that they're both going to get some some playing time together because I think when when they're on the floor together, they are a long team. Like, both Jones and O'Connell both have, like, pretty wide frames. Like, they're taller. They're, they're six, wingspan. Six. Yeah, they're, they're both, like, tall. I like I like the way that they look out there together. I think they just – they overall add a lot. Um, you know, hopefully that'll show up on the, on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, because really – you know that's how we get our offense started, is getting some quick runouts and getting the ball moving down the floor quick. So, hopefully, we'll see uh, see that lineup a little bit more consistently. But um, obviously, Antoine Jones has been um, uh, unreal off the bench this year, just providing some energy, especially in some of those early games, some of those gimme games against Omaha and Kennesaw State and North Dakota State. Um, he brought really great energy off the bench, just a little small sliver of what I think he's capable of doing. And once, like, like I've said, once they learn this offense, it's going to be a whole new ball game. You know what I mean? Like they're going to find their spots. They're going to find their shots. Um, Hopefully Antoine, You know, is a little bit more plays a little bit more grit in his teeth and is, you know, ready to get out there and do something. But uh, I think I think both of them are going to they'll contribute in some way or another this year for sure. And and it seems like everybody's really high on on O'Connell coming out. Obviously, he's a transfer from Duke. We have two really good transfers in Jones and O'Connell from high major schools. Um, You know, Antoine Antoine Jones, believe it or not, was one of the highest rated. Uh, guards coming out of his class um i think that was in 2018 correct me if i'm wrong um can't remember exactly what year it was i think it's 2018 that's it two years ago makes sense so hopefully that's the right year but uh yeah he was one of the top guards coming out of his class so i mean it's not like jones is something you can just look over he's a great addition to this lineup maybe not in the form of uh starting this year but you know down the road he's gonna um you know he's only a sophomore so i'm i'm interested to see how how greg develops him and um you know what his progress looks like maybe this time next year you know what i mean and he'll yeah. easily
2: get a start next year oh yeah for there's sure. no doubt he'll yeah and i'm
0: just looking i'm looking forward to next year to see who's going to like stay or not because some of these some of these um you know some of these players could choose to stay for another year if i'm understanding the eligibility rule right for this year. Like could Mitch Ballack come back for another year next year since, you know,
2: since they're, are they giving Grant Gibbs out of the, out of nowhere? (laughs) I mean, there's
0: going to be, I mean, there's going to be a lot of instances I think where there's going to be a lot of Grant Gibbs types type players staying somewhere for the next couple of years just because yeah. you know this eligibility rule from the NCAA I, I, I don't understand I'm gonna have to do more research into it we'll see who stays uh, but essentially we would be losing Mitch Ballack Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney all next year so yeah there's a lot of room there's and we might we,
2: we may lose Ziggorowski to the NBA who knows
0: yeah I mean who knows at this point I think um, obviously if he would have came out and blown the roof off of the mm-hmm. beginning of this season, yeah. Um, maybe we're talking about losing him a little bit more, but I think, I mean, it's it's so far out to think right now about losing him. Like it's it's a whole other season, you know. Well, so, mm-hmm. And like, what we also well, think
2: about too is it's pretty guard heavy this coming draft. That's why uh, Tyshon left early to get to the draft this year. Honestly, sure. too, so, I
1: think that if Marcus had a better performance against Kansas, that that might have you know yeah
0: yeah like i said you know if he comes out like firing this season you know yeah like, we're like holy shit yeah he's yeah. gonna he's gonna leave but you know it, it's it's up in the air at this point we hope he stays for another i mean it, it, come back and finish your business young man like you got a lot to you got a lot to finish achieve. your degree I mean, yeah, yeah you finish degree. your degree too four year four year degree nothing wrong with that but uh, ultimately up to him you know you never want to like you never want to like try to get players to do what you want to do because it's not it's not your life you know what i mean no, like if exactly. he wants to go get if he wants to go get a paycheck you go get your paycheck and you know, mm-hmm. he, he needs to get paid <laughs> yeah i mean we all need to get paid so i mean i i yeah. definitely understand what the aspect of wanting money i think we all we all we all understand that playing for free is not uh not the way to go but please um,
1: listen to this podcast we need it yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yeah but i guess next year that leaves uh alex o'connell antoine jones shreve mitchell who i think is gonna is really gonna pull up his pants and be oh, yeah. like a a big dude in the next couple of years he's gonna be a huge yep. huge player for the jays um and i and obviously we have this we have this really 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 good uh incoming class of uh signees um creighton has landed their best recruiting class ever i think so um, yeah. And we'll talk about that next episode. I don't want to get into the weeds of uh, that class right now. I'll we'll we'll do a full full segment on it next episode. But yeah, lots of like from uh, that recruiting recruiting class and our returning players for next year. I think they're going to mesh really well, even though we lose quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, I think we've we've had we've had some consistency in our in our rotations. The roster seems to be kind of filling itself out at this point, and there's you know some consistency in in our lineups um you know what what do you think what do you think so far what who who's impressed you the most who hasn't impressed you the most what uh what do you think
2: so for me for sure um cockbrenner like his footwork for a true freshman the way that he just morphed straight into the offense unbelievable it's it's unbelievable like people have to realize like my mom she was like why is he doing that why is he doing that i'm like He's a freshman. He's going to make freshman mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like he went from being a seven footer in high school to a seven footer in college. <laughs> like the it's competition's strange. a lot different, Oh yeah. It's but he's been, his footwork works been great. Some of his blocks he's had, like he knows when to jump up for them when not to, but yeah, at the end of the day, he's going to make some freshman mistakes, but he just has to get that rust off. And next year, you know, yeah. he'll he'll learn from those mistakes even this year probably. So.
0: Yeah, and you're and you're right. He's been he's been if he can learn to stay and keep keep his feet on on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, because mm-hmm. like, I mean he's fouling quite a bit, mm-hmm. and that's like you said, freshman mistakes. You know, like I think we all get that, especially when you're playing in a in an offense like this. The tempo gets up and down if the other team's running know pretty quick you're gonna you're gonna pick up some pretty cheap fouls so and that's what I think we've seen um you know I expect his footwork and his defensive you know he's he's a he's a shot blocker you know he was a shot blocker in high school watching his tape you know obviously when you're when you're a man playing amongst six footers you know it's it's really easy um to, you know to get those block shots and I think um they'll definitely be able to develop that and i think he will be de- better defensively on the ball next year once he kind of figures out the pace of big east basketball college basketball um i think it'll be a lot better for him
2: and antoine jones his energy off the bench he reminds me of dj when dj was a sophomore i mean we need that to you know just someone to get off the bench and just go all out go 100 yeah. Yeah. of the time And if, if he can start just maybe settling down his shots, or if he decides to be aggressive and not have that hesitation of, should I shoot or should I go to the basket and just go? I mean, that can make all the difference. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I think uh, right now I'm not really
1: particularly blown away by anyone right now. I think there's a lot of potential, obviously from Marcus and Mitch. I think they just need to find their shot a little better um, because once they do uh, will knock down some threes. I think they'll be able to, you know, get open outside as well and just really kind of move stuff inside. And so right now, the two that I'm impressed with, and I think it's really going to blow up more for me right now is probably, honestly, Damian and Denzel. Uh, I like seeing them inside a little more. Um, and I think that's going to help Creighton wins some games too is just you know getting inside and getting those buckets and obviously Cockbrenner is going to be a big piece of that too but um I think Damien brings some energy and I think Denzel has a lot of you know open looks that he maybe just isn't sold on himself but I think it's something that uh we'll see open up as we go further into the season so right now I would say Damian and Denzel are the two that I'm really focused on
0: seeing their game explode. Sweet, I like it. Yeah, you know, and once, uh, once Damian Jefferson, I mean, he's been shooting the ball really well this year. He's he's, he's a much improved shooter. He maybe didn't show that versus UConn today, no, uh, as much. But I think he he's been shooting the ball a hell of a lot better than last mm-hmm. year, hitting mm-hmm. some open shots. I mean, even at UConn today, he opened up, um, opened up the game with with hitting two yeah. two threes. You know, so. Um, definitely seeing an improvement on his shot. Um, and I like what you said about Marcus and Mitch too, like liking what you're seeing out of them because they've been struggling, but they're yeah. still there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I think Marcus, uh, obviously has had some tough games. Um, but Mitch had a c- incredible performance against, um, Marquette, you know, eight yeah. for 14 from three. 26 points led the Jays that night I mean he had I mean I don't I don't think we can live or die by Mitch being our leading scorer and taking uh-huh. a, you know 14 threes because normally you know I mean that works sometimes but you know I mean when it's always a gamble when you're taking that much of a high volume shot you know mm-hmm. I mean it's not like mm-hmm. we don't trust him but it's, it's 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 that's a lot to take um you know we lost that game by four you know so be it I, I think know. but I think mitch, ball- mitch is back mitch is officially back yeah I
1: think ball movement is is crucial to you know him being able to find those shots too like when you're just passing it to him right away i mean th- you you gotta move the ball around you gotta make i him think people, you're going inside. yeah
0: I think people are guarding him like yeah they should they should be this year you know, I mean they're not losing him as as much as they did before, you know letting him get those wide open right looks right and you know and that's I mean, why i got every move the everything ball. yeah everything that he's uh that he's had this year he's really had to work to earn so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully stuff opens up for him here in the next couple games who, who knows a little bit of a rougher uh, outing today for him he had he hit two threes today um hit some big some big uh shots from the free throw line um which is seriously appreciated mitch <laughs> seriously yeah. appreciated that you hit those shots um but yeah a little bit of a little bit of a um a, you know a little bit of a downgrade from the last couple games that he's had, Um, you know, especially at, at the at St. John's. Um, but you know, it's it's good to kind of just propel them forward and get them back into uh, a groove. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I think all in all, too, it,
1: it's a it's a team thing for sure. You you win as a team as you lose as a team, and there there seems to be a, not the whole game, but there's definitely a struggle where it seems like they're communicating well with each other. And then all of a sudden that just kind of gets flipped off. So yeah. I think, you know, just really trying to, it's not a single player's fault. I don't think either. It's, it's multiple people trying to either do too much or not enough, but I, it's early. It's early. Yeah, uh, for sure. so. and, for sure.
2: and the thing is too, it's like the last four or five years, Creighton's had that go-to guy, like he's going to get yeah. it. And when there's 10 seconds left on the clock, we're down by two we We're down by one. This team, it's going to be who's ever the hot hand this game is who's Mm -hmm. going to be getting the ball. Zygorowski's probably going to have the first touch because he's point guard. Sure. But if he's not shooting well, and he's a good point guard. He's going to pass it off to the hot hand. It might be Mitch. It might be Denzel. You know, it might even be Jefferson. There's been times Jefferson just goes on a Mm – a nice streak and I think that's what it's going to be this year it's there's not going to be that go-to guy like we've had the last four years where it's a Marcus Foster or a Tyshawn Alexander no you know yeah no given leader
1: at this point yeah well
0: I mean yeah I mean Marcus I think is that is that leader you know what I mean like I don't I don't think the Jays are without a leader you know what I mean no,
2: but a leader to take the last shot, yeah. like Marcus. I mean, I mean
0: that, yeah, I think Marcus is that guy for
2: sure. You know, like, I think he's he's going to be the point guard. He's going to be the one who's going to make that, that final decision. Yeah. So like, it should be interesting. I yeah.
0: agree. So, all right. Well, like puts a wrap on our, uh, on our roster analysis for, uh, um, the first part of this year. So let's, uh, let's get into a, a little segment here that we've, uh, that we've decided we're going to do. It's called hot takes corner. So every time that we uh, go into the hot take corner, we will, uh, we'll discuss three different topics, um, that I, that I handpick myself, Brock, a small Blake, stack, a yeah. large stack. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Um, so the first take, uh, here it's, it's relevant. To, and these are all going to be relevant to Jay's fans, um, most of them will be maybe one or two and during the course of the season will be mm-hmm. uh, off topic, but definitely college basketball related. Well, sure. uh, but the first one here is definitely relevant to Creighton fans. Uh, we and we we talked about this in our in the first podcast that we uh, that we put forth uh, that we didn't actually bring to market. Um, the archives. <laughs> yes, the, the archives. archive, the archive footage. Um, but it's about Greg Marshall and the Wichita State firing. Um, so we'll get into this a little bit here. First off, good rinse I hate that guy. Um, my goodness, this was probably long overdue. Um, you know, when we were in the Valley, he was the arch nemesis of pretty much every Creighton fan, uh, <laughs> that had a pulse. <laughs> he is yeah. a jackass. Um, if you were on an opposing team, you hated him. If he was your coach, you probably loved him. Um, 10 seasons in the Valley, Wichita state coach, five Valley regular season championships two Missouri Valley tourney titles and one NCAA final four appearance in 2013 AP coach of the year in 2014 also important to note I remember hearing something a long time ago about how Greg did not get along with the Creighton staff I have no other information besides that I have no idea what happened but there always seemed to be like a very contentious relationship Um, those games that we had with that those mm-hmm. Greg Marshall teams during um, during the Greg McDermott era were always personal, and they were always super physical. Um, there was one really bad game that I remember that we had with them on senior day of 2012, I believe. They kicked our ass. They beat us by, like, 30 points on our own court. That was Doug's sophomore year. Left a really, really bad taste in my mouth. I always hated him since. But here's the take. When we, when we filmed our first episode – it was all just coming out that Greg Marshall was getting fired from WSU. Um, But the fact that Greg Marshall got $9 million to take a very loud, but civil exit from this program after multiple allegations of player abuse and abuse to others that exist within the athletic department is insane. Mm -hmm. It is a crazy amount of money to give somebody for abusing children. I don't, I don't, I, I, there's a debate whether if you call college kids and that college kids whether you call them adults or kids i i still err on the side that they are kids Mm -hmm. Um, When I was 18, I was not an adult. I don't know if I'm speaking for every 18 year old out there, but I did not feel like an adult when I was 18. So you are hurting kids, which is just absurd. And if that doesn't tell you how broken the college basketball system really is, then I don't know what does. sending the message that you can beat up your players and get paid off for it is sending a horrible message. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're, you're existing in an environment that rewards abuse. You know you exist in an environment that is toxic for student athletes for these kids but you have to take a really hard look in the mirror for the ncaa is this helping kids giving eight million dollars and allowing all of this to happen at wichita state are we protecting kids the answer is no they're not they're not no. it's it's a disgraceful leave from that program um terrible so mm-hmm. good riddance greg marshall and i'm glad you're gone you guys yeah guys have any good memories about about <laughs> wichita state or are they all pretty they're all pretty inked in the uh, uh in
1: red yeah as a mind. as a kansas fan definitely no good memories with wichita state um but as a great fan as well no i mean they've had some good players you know uh what was that guy's name van fleet and, yeah Fred uh, van uh dude, ron, ron baker, baker. Yep. yes yeah
0: cleanth cleanthony time yeah
1: <laughs> yeah what was love those guys yeah. great athletes i mean if you love college basketball cleanthony you can't really Early.
0: yeah you can't hate
1: those guys i mean phenomenal players but yeah. yeah great
0: yeah they they had some man they had some ballers some talent I mean, yeah yeah malcolm Mar- malcolm armstead they had some they gave creighton some fits back in the day man they yeah were, they were good good team man but, uh, yeah, you know, I, the other thing, I you know, I was doing a little bit of reading for this, too, um, kind of reading into some situations about Greg Marshall at Wichita State and kind of just like the person that he was. But I came across this one story that I thought was just absolutely crazy. There was this this kid that was a part of the Wichita State Athletic Department. He played a sport. Okay. I can't remember what sp- sport it was specifically, but he he parked his car in the athletic parking lot in Greg Marshall's parking spot. Wow. Well. <laughs> Greg Marshall shows up while this kid is running inside to grab something quickly. Okay. As he's coming back out, this kid gets into his car, and Greg Marshall comes up and tries to punch the kid. And this is a well-known wow. story at WSU. So if that doesn't tell you all you need to know, he he asked the kid after he punched him, "Do you know who I am?" That was what was reported. <laughs> oh my I, I can't I can't imagine being in that athletic department and hearing something like that and not being so furious that I like stormed my boss's office. I mean, I'm a pretty loud guy. I you know I let people know how I feel, so mm-hmm. I probably would have been in my boss's office, like, "Yo, one of your coaches tried to punch my player. Are we? You're literally just gonna let this go?" That is some that is some crazy shit. <laughs> that
2: mm-hmm. is crazy. one of the one of the stories I remember with Greg Marshall is I don't know if it was during Doug McDermott's time or just post, regular. like just before, or just after. I just remember it was a home game for Creighton. We were playing Wichita State, and we were blowing them out of the water, maybe a fifteen point lead with five minutes left, and he starts f- intentionally fouling our guys. Like, I get it, you want to win the game, but 15-minute lead with five minutes left, you're going to start intentionally fouling. And that was, like, the longest five-minute game of my life. I think I remember that. And we were still singing the free throws. We were still, like, I think we ended up taking the lead up to 20 points, and there was, like, two minutes left. Then he finally stopped intentionally fouling us. I'm like, at what point? Yeah we won that game. Oh yeah, by like 20 25 points. It was that was yeah. I
1: think that was Missouri Valley for sure. Well, yeah, it Bottom, was Missouri obviously. Valley. Obviously, yeah. Bottom
0: line, just give Greg Marshall the bird and just move on. God, that guy. Dude, I just can't. I can't can't understand why they would why they, there should be rules. Again, if you're, if you are disgraced from your university by terms of abuse, you shouldn't be able to get paid off that. I mean, I'm, there, I'm just saying
1: there is in college football. Look at uh, yeah, I what uh, what's uh, coach for Washington State, the pirate, uh, as they call him. I forget what his name is. Uh, or Mangino from Kansas. You know, uh, huh. they did not take that stuff lightly. Yeah. Mangino. Yeah, okay, big, next take. big dudes.
0: Big dudes. Big guy. <laughs> big guy. He's a big boy. Um, what's this?
1: What's it? We got a. you got a, a short stack. Big stack, what you got? Short short stack. Just short okay. stack.
0: Okay. Uh, UConn, back in the Big East. It's a good thing. Uh, that's the mm. take. It's a good thing that UConn is back in the Big East. I thought it was probably good that we talked about this today, but I'm so excited for this. UConn is a huge brand name in college basketball. Obviously, it, it can only help Creighton to get another win from another Big East team that's not like DePaul or something like that. You know? Yeah. Like UConn's a, a, a good – they're a good – especially this year. Recently, the Huskies haven't been a huge contenders for anything. Um, anything serious, but they're in the midst of a rebuild, probably on the opposite side of that revealed now. Um, but they are in year three of a new coach, Dan Hurley, who Creighton knows very well from the NCAA tournament 2017, when his Rhode Island team beat us by 12 mm. in the first round. Um, that was the year Justin Patton and Marcus Foster had to go in. Uh, we lost Mo Watson at the end of that season to injury. And we kind of just crumbled from there. Hence the loss to Dan Hurley's team at Rhode Island. Um, But the Huskies have had a rough go the last couple of seasons. They finished below 500, um, you know, the last three of four seasons, with the best season out of those four coming last season when they finished uh, 19 12 in Dan Hurley's second year. Um, but I think we have to kind of just take a take a step back and appreciate what this team has been through the last ten years. They won a national title, for God's sake, back in yeah. two thousand thirteen to fourteen when Kevin Ollie was the coach.
2: Were they like an eleven seed or something? Nobody believed. Yeah, in them. I can't nobody, what, nobody.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what seed they were. But Kevin was a great coach. Um, obviously since then he got fired. Um, and they're really just kind of returning to national relevance now. And that's no slight to UConn when you lose a coach and you're going through something like this, you're mm-hmm. just bound to have some rough years. I mean, like every, I don't, I don't know a coach that's come into college basketball the last couple of years and really just blown expectations out of the water the first couple of years. It just doesn't happen.
1: Um, Probably not since like, uh, was it Shaka Smart?
0: Sure. And he did not have a good go at um Texas. at Texas so far. So it's no. not, you know, I mean it's it's VCU yeah, it is, is, it is a different
1: story, but yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You gotta get your but well, he was there for a while before Yeah, true. Um but this really boosts the big East uh, in a little bit, but in two ways. Uh, first they have a strong national brand. They're just won a freaking championship. Like Mm -hmm. I said, you know, their Mm -hmm. alumni network is extremely strong, a huge low following from that national championship. Not just former students. They have a national fan base from their championship win. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to remember that, you know, just like how Villanova has a national fan base since they've won the last couple of years. They're just like a team that you can kind of attach onto because they've won recently. They have a Mm -hmm. good fan base. It's not to disgrace their fan base, but they probably have a bigger fan base than, uh, you know, the you know, say like a Creighton team that hasn't won like a national championship. You sure. Know what I mean? Sure. Um, and second, there obviously are a former Big East team, and they were mm-hmm. talking a little bit of trash this morning. Their fan base was is was like, hey, this is UConn's 550th game in the Big East, and this <laughs> is Creighton's first. It's like, okay, well, we get that you're a former Big East team. Thanks for letting us know that. Well, you know, it are gonna win the game.
1: You know what? It was a first for UConn today, though. What? Their first loss.
0: Oh, yeah, the season. Bazing, <laughs> dude. We should get a bazing, like look, bang. Yeah, can look. Yeah, sound
2: effect that <laughs> later. To <laughs> be fair, this was their first Big East game, though.
0: Yeah. And they've been off for a couple of weeks. If, if you didn't catch that during the broadcast, when they said it about 600 freaking million times, this, <laughs> they've <laughs> been on pause for a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, they were a, a strong team, a strong big East team prior to joining the American conference. They'll come back, you know, wanting to push themselves back into the big East royalty slot that will 100% lead to competitive games like today. Um, hopefully a fun new rivalry. I mean, obviously, it's our first game with them, so it's hard to tell if it'll become a rivalry, but, like, taking your first game with the team into overtime, like, Mm. that's going to build for some good games. You know, there's going to be, like, the second game of the series this season. I hope will be really good. Um, I hope we win, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's competitive. Yeah. Um, And they obviously, you know, the Huskies get to play with some teams, um, some of the other Big East teams they have history with. So it's good to have some of those – matchups reinstated. yeah reinstated yeah exactly exactly uh not mentioned enough here either the women's basketball program who mm-hmm. played and and whooped creighton this week uh it's going to boost the big east um the big east basketball stuff on the women's side uh tenfold they're unmatched they're one of the best college programs uh ever if not the best um year in and year out they there at the top they have the best yep. recruiting classes they have the best players um, to see them come to Omaha to DJ Sokol Arena, that's going to be really fun. Um, you know, Creighton's women team has a great opportunity to get some quality wins uh, whenever Huge they play UConn. If that ever happens, I, I don't, <laughs> it's no offense to the Creighton women. You know, it's just like UConn is a superior program. It's like yeah. it's like how you know it's like it's like I, I don't even know how to explain. Like
1: like a Nebraska women's volleyball team.
0: Sure. Yeah. Powerhouse. Yeah. yeah exactly. You know. It's, built they built have, on championships and They have and wins. such dominance that it's hard to compare them to anything else. Right. You know what I mean? So, good luck to the women's team. Hopefully, they can secure a couple wins over them if, in the first couple years. You know, it's – it's. I mean, if you watch the game this week, it's probably not likely that they're going to win the second game this season, but you can always hope for seasons in the future and uh, miracles. You know what I mean? If <laughs> It's not to say that the Creighton women's team can't win, but that, that team that they mm-hmm. played is just – superior they're really really good um so that's the second take welcome back yeah. huskies hopefully uh hopefully you're here for some good old ass whoopings here in the next couple of years <laughs> right, especially later this season I can't wait to get another shot at that uh the last take in the hot takes corner um, hot the big takes. east should add a 12 team And we talked about this off the air before we started recording. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we, I don't think any of us had a really, had a really good reason. Uh, My reason was 11 is a weird number for. for Oh, it is. I (laughs) mean, for a conference, look at, Um, look at
1: college football for a matter of fact, like you had the big 10 that has 14 teams and then the big 12 still only has 10. So yeah, it's, it's, 11 within itself is just weird so it's, it's not even it's not an even number i guess so yeah. that makes it kind of funky but yeah
0: and who sure. knows when they're going to add another team into the right. next year i mean it could be forever they might not ever do it i sh- i'm sure they will but it's probably going to be a while since they just added uconn yeah. but um no, you know no. like we just talked about uconn adds a really really a boost into the, into the conference, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think it'd be fun to take a bet. You know, let's, let's, I I know we've had some time to think about this like over the Mm -hmm. game, but let's, let's take a bet, get it on paper. What team do you think will be added to the big East next? Hot takes are incoming. I'll go ahead and give my first. I think, and I, I think I'm stealing one of Brock's, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it between two teams. I'm not gonna take one. I'm gonna put it between two. I'm gonna say it's either gonna be St. Louis or Dayton. I think both of those teams geographically make sense. If you're trying to build the conference um east, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, east. If you're building it <laughs> east, you would be going to the fucking ocean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're going west, uh I think St. The Louis b- makes the Bermuda
2: whalers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think st louis makes a lot of sense um sure. you know obviously they're having a pretty good year right now um but i think it'd just be good to get another midwest team in there and if yeah. you're talking about another midwest team and uh, you know to join dayton would be another great team um and i think i stole brock both of brocks here but i think that's both really of fine. those teams I, I think we mentioned like someone like a vcu being in there too but i'll let you guys answer before we kind of get into
1: those yeah that's funny uh do you want to go i have a list of five and 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 I'll just go. I'll just go. I'm so, I'm well, let so me go interested. first. You go, you so go interested
2: ahead. to hear what you guys have to say okay. about it. So, so, the most likely choice is going to be Dayton. Um, I would like to see St. Louis. Um, but I think Dayton's probably going to be the most likely choice. Um, just because of the location, it's in Ohio. There's, you know, two other biggie schools close to that area. Um. You know, yeah, Butler, and you also have um, Xavier. I mean, it's so logically, Dayton's probably going to be the top. You know, more the 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 most likely. Okay. Um, who I would really want is Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but I do not see them mm-hmm. leaving the ACC anytime soon. They're, they're get they got league. good quality teams that they're playing against. Yeah um but that's the thing is when UConn UConn asked to come back to the Big East sure I feel like if they wouldn't they hated it
0: so much they had to come back
2: (laughs) I feel like if they wouldn't have done that I don't think the Big East would have expanded to 11 no and so now the Big East is kind of in that tricky place it's like well we didn't really want to expand at the moment but we do have 11 should we make it 12 with even you know and so and that's why I think Dayton's the most likely choice it's the location and Dayton's ready to move up because they are in the A10, and I mean, no, no offense to the A10, it's, it's a great it's a great basketball conference, but it's not a top five. Well, and isn't
0: St. Louis in the A10 too? They are.
2: They are. Okay, yeah. So
0: we're talking about two two A10 teams. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: love okay. It. Okay. Okay. All right. All love on. it. I mean, your your takes right on there with mine. I said St. Louis and Dayton too, but I mean, Notre Dame is obviously a pipe dream. Like there's uh, there's no way that's gonna happen.
2: Yeah. So. If that happens,
0: I'll give you. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Yeah, the, the, you, guys, you guys want to put money on this? I'll put. I'll put the, the, the only way I could Ooh, see Notre kinda.
2: Dame coming to the Big East is I'll put. If, if, I'll put fifty bucks on it. I'll put fifty. I'll take. I'll take contract. Dayton. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking Dayton too, though. But that's the thing. I said the only way that uh, Notre Dame will even make it to the Big East is if they can't agree. So they signed like a ten year contract with ACC for football. Um, and if they can't agree, like after those ten years, to play ACC conference football again, or say the ACC conference in football becomes really crappy, and they're like, "Oh, it's trying to go with the Big Ten and sign a contract with them," yeah, that's the only way I see them leaving ACC for basketball is if their football team, if their football team sticks with ACC, they're gonna stick basketball with ACC. But if their football team moves, I could see them easily going to the Big East for basketball.
0: Yeah. I mean, welcome. I mean, they're they're definitely welcome. You know, if you want to come yeah. play with us, I hope, I hope the biggies would be open to it.
1: All right. I got my five.
0: All right. Well, hold on. Let's put 50 bucks on this first. I'll take okay. St. Louis. Brock is taking Dayton. Who are you taking, Blake?
1: Okay, so into my five. So three teams in my five are teams that you guys have mentioned.
0: Okay. So, so Notre Dame, St. Louis, and Dayton. No. no oh, no. okay.
1: VCU is the other one. Oh, okay. So VCU, St. Louis, and Dayton were the the three that you guys had mentioned. So yes. I have those three. There's there's a smaller school who is like my fifth option. Uh, would be BYU. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's that's, a toss.
0: That's, that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. It, it is well, wild. Let's remember the the cat the Catholic seven here. I don't know if they would be welcome.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, here's my real wild number one pick. That is an elite private school,
2: uh, huh. an elite basketball program. Probably based on the West Coast? Yes, the West Coast. The West Conference. Coast
1: uh, Gun- it Gonzaga. would be Gonzaga.
2: Oh, baby.
1: I like and, that. And I will yeah. put 50 on Gonzaga because from a basketball perspective, I don't think that there's a better move. Um, even if the geography is crazy, which, you know, that has yeah. never really seemed to matter uh, with these – these college conferences, especially football. I mean, you have Rutgers yeah, I mean, and Maryland and big, big, big
0: East for Creighton doesn't make any sense. I mean, exactly. We're in, the, we're in the Midwest. So exactly. So,
1: so throw that aside. That doesn't matter too much to me. Uh, I mean, Gonzaga is a private school with a an elite basketball program and, and also they don't have a football team. So that helps. Um, if, it's not a bad, if, it's not a bad take. If the geography works, uh, I think it's the the best move for competitiveness in the Big East, um, especially for basketball. Uh, I mean, just think about watching Gonzaga play Villanova or Marquette instead of them playing Portland and Pacific twice a year.
0: Yeah, no, and I totally agree. I think the only the, the huge thing with that is just going to be the time zone difference because, like, sure. can you imagine being a UConn team like after playing like a game today? It's like, hey, we got to turn around and play Tuesday at at at. Sp- are they in Spokane? Yeah, they're in Spokane. Spokane, yeah, Spokane, Spokane That's a four-hour time difference, and mm-hmm. you have a day to make it there, yeah. and get settled for the game. That is that alone is like daunting, you know. It is, and you also know, for and it'll, television, be a little bit yeah, and also for television, our games will be coming on at like freaking nine o'clock or something crazy. They're pretty, some most of them. I mean, they have if they have some late o- games already. Yeah, but. if they have an eight o'clock game, that's a that's a ten o'clock game our time. And that's an 11 yeah. o'clock
2: in the yeah. East standard. Yeah. 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 Yep. But, yep. I, I, I can't imagine that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's worth the bet because 50 bucks is 50 bucks and we're not, mm-hmm. a, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that's kind of a pipe dream.
1: It is. But I mean, there's, I think there's just a lot of good factors, you know, I like my if, pipe if dream. If they with Notre such, game. Yeah. If they weren't such a, an elite basketball program, private school, you know, um, all those other factors, I just, it, it probably wouldn't happen, but I think they have a lot going for them. It's just the geography that's out of whack.
0: Well, I guess we'll see, you know. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll, I got we'll, 50 on them. I've got uh, $50 on my fridge with all of our submissions. So <laughs> whenever whenever the Big East decides to add, maybe we're all wrong. Maybe, yeah. maybe none of them will come. Who knows? If it happens in 20 years, I'm calling hope, you guys. I hope it's, yeah, I hope it's <laughs> St. Louis. Because I'm obviously here now, and if I could just like not yeah. leave St. Louis to like see the Creighton play like one time a year, that'd be, mm-hmm. it'd be awesome. Like, it'd yeah. be so sick. So, all right, that's Hot Takes Corner, and I guess that's the end of our episode here, guys. We got the first yeah. episode in the books. My God, what Whew. a what a time to be alive! I'm really excited for what we have coming forward. Um, mm-hmm. Got a lot, got a lot going this week. We've got a player, uh, a future, not future player interview, uh, an old player interview. That did not even make sense either. A former, A former player, former player <laughs> interview. Good Lord. Previous. Um, we'll be talking to Jordan Scurry this week and bringing you the full conversation sometime this week. Um, but until then, I guess we'll uh, we'll sign off. Go Jays, guys. Good win today. Good podcast. Yep. Anything, Roll any, any final thoughts? Uh, let's start making
2: some free throws. Yeah, so yes. Let's uh, God, get, let's the get over the 70% mark, maybe 75%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can, yeah. can we shoot for that? Just does does that
0: one time versus a quality opponent this year. 75% free
2: throw shooting. That shouldn't be that hard. And get in the paint,
0: get in the paint and get going. All right, we are done. We will be back next week. We'll be back with a conversation with Jordan scurry this week. Until then take care roll J's and we'll see you next time.